Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, we have to do a shout out at the top of the show for our favorite, well, one of one of our favorite guests. Jay Smith Cameron was nominated for a supporting actress for an Emmy. She has to win. We love her. We love her. I was also really excited to see Janelle James get nominated yes. for Abbott Elementary. Great show. Great show. And she's hilarious in this. Hilarious. Show. Absolutely. It's one hilarious. of those shows that really just makes me belly laugh out loud. Yes. Yes. Totally. And also, I got to shout out Caitlin Olson getting nominated for her yes. on Hacks. One of the funniest women in America and has been consistently for over a decade. And uh, she deserves it. So uh, let's get to the show. This week, we are joined by Bernadine Dorn, Kara Clank, and Grace Parajani to tackle the following questions. Is your state one of the stops on our tour de bullshit? What gives a former member of Weather Underground hope for the future? And be honest, would you join a cult? All this and more right now. So there's some news this week. Once again, the news continues to happen. Alyssa? Doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. And it occurred to me this week that a lot of times when we get into the news, we're like, well, everything sucks again. And I kind of wanted to try something new this week. I wanted to start on a positive note, right? Like, let's get people feel that let's get people feeling good, right? If we can't be positive, let's at least get people feel like they could run through a wall, you know? Okay. I'm all for running through a wall. Okay. Listen to this. Mr. Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, There are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. We can recognize that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is is that the core of this, this right then is about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So the sound you heard is an exchange between, I'm sorry if you recognize his voice, but Missouri Senator Josh Hawley and University of California at Berkeley law professor Kiara M. Bridges. And that was during a Senate judiciary hearing on the legal repercussions of the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. Alyssa, what do you think about Professor Bridges? I was for it. She was just not going to let him get away with it. She's like, nope, nope, this is who you are. And she called him out for who he was. And it was delightful. She was so fearless. I found it to be very inspiring how fearless she was. It is, it seems like an intimidating place to be, to be in front of a Senate panel and in front of a a Senate subcommittee or a committee. And she was just not afraid. She was just totally not afraid at all. Um, The, there's a, there's more to the clip that you can hear. You can find it. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, but she eventually is sort of, it, the, it sort of devolves to her being like, maybe you could learn something if you took my class. And he goes, <laughs> and he's like, I bet I would. And she's like, you would. And he's like, I bet I would. Fine. 
fine. I'm still not going to take it. <laughs> he was what they call bested by he her. He was bested. He was bested. What a good old timey word. Yes, he was. He was bested. Um, and that was a, a really great clip. And I am jealous of everyone who gets to take Professor Kira M. Bridges class at UC Berkeley Law. I think that that would be a really interesting and informative class. And I mean that with sincerity <laughs> and not in the way that, that Josh Hawley means it, which is in the most snotty, asshole, dweeby way. Um, okay. So you feel like running through a wall? Yes. Of bad okay. news. <laughs> a wall. <laughs> okay. So last week, Last time we recorded a couple of weeks ago, we asked listeners to send us news from their respective states. Since yes. now we're we're in the we were in the era of stakes rights. No, states rights, not stakes rights. Stakes rights is when you're a Supreme Court justice and but <laughs> I'm <laughs> and you're at Morton's in D.C. Mort out of all the places, of all the gin joints in all of D.C. Morton's went to Morton's. He's like, I want, I want meat, and I don't care how it's prepared or if it tastes good. I just want a hunk of meat. <laughs> uh, that should be on the Morton's signage. Hunk, hunks of meat, the Arby's of steak. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm only roasting Morton's because they they released a statement about how a Supreme Court justice has like the right to eat dinner, which is. Very funny. They did? I thought they said he couldn't come back. There, there was like the right <laughs> to eat dinner was in like a statement about like oh, being. The which right is to eat dinner. Is that true? If there's a right to eat dinner, Aaron, I feel like we could really put Morton's at the forefront of the uh, food insecurity problem. I feel like the, the Kavanaugh way would be like, if you smell dinner, you must eat the entire dinner. Or... You can be legally prosecuted if you do not take the dinner to its conclusion and finish the entire dinner. Um, okay, so we're in the era of states' rights. States and rights. state. So that means where you live within the U.S. will determine whether or not you have access to reproductive health care. And in a lot of places, the most right-wing, anti-choice people are very emboldened by the Supreme Court decision in Dobbs and are... Coming out like crazy. Busy. Trying, they are busy. busy. Trying to pass laws to make abortion illegal for the people that live in their respective states. Alyssa, what state do you want to start with in our, I think we're calling it our tour de bullshit. Tour de bullshit. Let's start off with the Keystone State, Erin. Ooh, Pennsylvania. And you know what's so funny? There's so much bullshit. I had to like write it down on notes because Ooh. there's so much bullshit. So in Pennsylvania, the old General Assembly is up to some some really destructive antics. What do they want to do? All of this potentially could come to fruition in the uh, primaries in May of 2023. They want to require IDs to vote. They want to require auditor generals to audit elections. They want to allow gubernatorial candidates to pick their running mates instead of having them be elected. Um, they want to expand the General Assembly's power. This was a real good one, Aaron. They want to expand the General Assembly's power to reject regulations. The fuck does that even mean? Like, what the fuck does that even mean? Yeah. And, and, you know, the coup de grace 
as they say, is that they passed a bill last week actually for a state constitutional amendment that would say there is no constitutional right to an abortion. So that is what is going on in the Keystone State. Ah, you know, that Pennsylvania, I'm I'm a Pennsylvanian in-law. My in-laws are from Pennsylvania. You're all the states, dude. You are all the states. I just, I, you know what? I, I feel weird saying it, but I really do like many aspects of America. I think that it's a beautiful country and I visited a lot of places and we have crossed over so many the same places. You're from Wisconsin. I went to school in Wisconsin. We both lived in Chicago and we're both in-lawed in Pennsylvania. Oh yeah. Pennsylvania, the husband state. The husband state. Well, uh, not so much anymore if they actually make it. Nope, like, do this. Nope. Yeah, nope, 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 nope. nope. And that, that state is is really gerrymandered all the fuck. Like, you know, yes. it's, it, should be, it should be a blue state. The Pennsylvania General Assembly is so gerrymandered that it's really hard for Democrats to get any foothold at all. And so the gubernatorial race in that state is massively important. Um, I guess keeping in line with the general character of the GOP nowadays, uh, Pennsylvania has nominated an actual maniac to run. Actual maniac. He is an actual maniac, um, and but nobody should become like comforted by that. Oh, they're running a maniac. No, no, no. Maniacs get people excited. Maniacs get other maniacs excited. I mean, Lauren Boebert. Exactly. Marjorie Taylor Greene. These people. Maniacs are winning places. Yes. Like lunatics really bring out the lunatics and any sort of complacency will allow the lunatics to take over. So uh, Pennsylvania, you have to you have to pay attention to what's going on in Pennsylvania. Um, Alaska is uh, Alaska. Not as many people in Alaska. Uh, It's not as much of a cross section of America as Pennsylvania is. Um, but the right to abortion is protected in the state's constitution's provision on privacy, which was voted in by the people and recognized by the Alaska State Supreme Court in 1997. But their governor now wants to do away with the right to privacy, which he announced on the day that Roe was overturned. His name is Mike Dunleavy. Of course it is. I feel like if I were writing a... Of course it's a Dunleavy. If I were writing a character that was like a shitty governor in Alaska, that's that would his, that's what his name would be. Mike or Skip. I mean, but like if you're a GOP person, how do people get on board? Just getting rid of privacy. It's just privacy. Do GOP people not want privacy? Like at all? I feel like if you went to... A lot of them. And you were like, okay, you don't care about privacy. Show me your search history. They would understand pretty quickly. Yeah. Maybe that's the tactic, Aaron. Yeah. We're going to we're going to expose everybody's search history. Um, Mine are mostly about plagues and uh, true crime in history. Um, Okay, Who else? Tennessee. Oh, Tennessee. Tennessee's got some hot percolating trash. Uh, Tennessee has nullified the age of consent for marriage, Aaron. That Um, means 14-year-olds can get married. This is my air quotes. That's right. That's not. 14-year-olds not. 14? Okay. Look, if you are a political party that gets people motivated to to vote by lying to them about the other political party grooming children, perhaps the best move just politically 
Just just purely politically, we're not even talking morally. Politically, maybe it's a bad move to make it legal to marry children. Just saying. I it mean, just saying. It seems seems like is that really the hill you want to die like on? The real groomer is the Tennessee state government. They're the ones yes. doing the grooming. Good. Oh, Lord. and also let us not pass over the fact that they also want to turn homelessness on public property into a class E felony. Okay. Hmm. They care about life, Aaron. I don't know if you've heard the GOP cares about life. Uh, no, they don't. <laughs> they don't care about life at all. They care about control and they care about moving toward their like weird white nationalist Disneyland future that they've envisioned for America. But now that Disneyland is woke, we're going to have to use another different right. uh, comparison because they remember they removed all the wenches from the Pirates of the Caribbean ride and it made that man in Las Vegas very sad. So sad. he had a, a wench free experience. On and, you know, I ride. love the Pirates of the Caribbean and I don't even remember the wenches, which means they were not relevant to the They're experience. not that important a part. No. It's not wenches of the Caribbean. Yo, ho, ho. I mean, whatever. Um, okay, Utah. Utah, one of my favorite states. Ah, I know, but they're doing you dirty this week, Aaron. Utah, one of my favorite red states. Uh, most most beautiful state in the U.S., I think. Utah, New Mexico. Two beautiful states. Utah is doing poorly in terms of how it is best serving the public health interests of its citizens uh, compared to New Mexico. Uh, poor New Mexico. They're going to be so overwhelmed with people from the surrounding states totally. that are just enmeshed in fuckery that it's just going to be, they're going to be overwhelmed. And I, ugh, my heart goes out to poor New Mexico, partly because of Utah. Okay. A GOP lawmaker says that she trusts that Utah women can control their intake of semen as mm. the state's trigger law has gone into effect. Mm -hmm. So the full quote is from Representative Carrie Ann Lisenby. Mm -hmm. who should know better. Carrie Ann, as far as I know, is a name that is not given to men. Uh, Carrie Ann said, I got a text message today saying I should seek to control men's ejaculations and not women's pregnancies. I do trust women enough to control when they allow a man to ejaculate inside of them and to control their intake of semen. What? Aaron, that's hot. That is, I, you know, you know what that is? It is, it is on par with should we round it out with the fuck that guy? Should we should we round it out with the great state of you South Carolina? So, somebody, well, just real quick, I just wanna, oh, yeah. I want to riff on Representative Carrie Ann here. Does she think? I think that she has me confused with a duck, because ducks, female ducks, can reject male duck semen. They have like trick what? vaginas. Yeah, they have like oh, trick vaginas. Girl, it's your search history is lit. <laughs> Female, it's true. Female ducks have trick vaginas because male ducks are rape monsters, and they they are able to control what uh, semen from other male ducks inseminates their eggs. We are not ducks. We're people. We're not ducks. Also, like pulling out doesn't work. It's like not a. It's not an effective method of birth control. It works better than 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 nothing. Than not, but but uh, it it's like it's like marginally better than nothing. Like I had an abortion after a, a pullout situation. Like what what what? Not effective. Not effective. I've got so many questions. 
I've got so many. Qu- okay, we can move on to South Carolina now. Sorry, sorry. I just, no, I just wanted to sit no, on that. No, that was, no, let me tell you something. The duck, that was worth it. Um, <laughs> so, no, in a, look, Governor Henry McMaster, by the way, every time I read this dude's name, I always think we're talking about that. One H.R. Of the fir- McMaster? Yeah, one of the first or seventh national security advisors that Donald <laughs> Trump had in four years. Yeah. Governor McMaster of South Carolina. He had some words for women with unwanted pregnancies. Quote, life is full of ups and downs, unquote. And also, there are consequences for your actions. Wow. Thank you, South Carolina. That is deep. Uh, I hope that that Mr. McMaster uh, gets in the back of an ambulance, you know, on its way to a car accident and hollers that at people we're in car accidents. Yeah. Shouldn't have gotten in a car. There are consequences. Shouldn't have gotten in a car. Shouldn't have gotten in a, or, or like going to a hospital and people are getting treatment for like a heart condition, having heart yeah. attacks. Well, you know Shouldn't what? Shouldn't have had that hamburger. Shouldn't have had that hamburger. Shouldn't. Although McMaster does sound like a hamburger. Hamburglar. He sounds like the hamburglar. I- Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, he should be voted out. There are consequences for actions. And, yes. you know. Life is full of ups and downs. Good God. What a smarmy. Which, interestingly, diametrically opposed to what the Tennesseans think, where they're just like homeless people, felonies. I mean, none of them. Here's the thing. They're quite a hypocritical, nonlinear group. (laughs) Yeah. Also, like, you know, here's I'm not I'm not being a dick here. But, like, doesn't Tennessee have a pretty vibrant outdoor culture? Mm-hmm. Like, is it homeless if you're camping? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what's so unclear? It's, it's, it's fine if you're paying to sleep outside in a designated campground in like a, a wilderness area. It's fine if you're wearing a matching Columbia outfit and you have you're making s'mores and like singing campfire songs about, you know, Jesus or whatever. But it's not fine if you're somebody that's struggling with, I, I don't know. It just, it seems like a little bit of some, it feel, feels like some some mental tension. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Okay. Okay. I do want to make one quick point about the Biden administration's releasing a statement saying like, you have to give people treatment if they're suffering life-threatening complications of ectopic pregnancy or another type of, um, you know, pregnancy that requires abortion as care. Mm-hmm. Um, here's something that I don't think everyone knows. Catholic hospitals have been turning people yes. away for a long time. And a lot of Catholic hospitals are huge and span a ton of territory, especially yes. in rural areas. Um, so I, I appreciate the sentiment behind them saying, well, look, federal law says you must treat people. But the thing is, Catholic hospitals have been not actively not doing that for a long time. And, you know, I haven't seen many news stories about Catholic hospitals being sued over this. Maybe that federal law should be enforced against Catholic hospitals. Um, but that's just, you know, I'm just, just throwing that out there. I think anybody that sought any type of reproductive health care at a Catholic hospital can tell you that that's just like, they just don't, they just won't do it. So, nope. Okay, let's take a quick break when we come back and interview that I am super excited for. Stick around.
And welcome back. Our guest today is a retired associate clinical professor at Northwestern University School of Law with a decades-long history of advocacy on behalf of women and children. She's also a founder of the Weather Underground and spent several years on the FBI's most wanted list. She's the main subject of Crooked's newest podcast, Mother Country Radicals, which won Best Audio Storytelling in Nonfiction at Tribeca Film Festival 2022. Please welcome Bernadine Dorn. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's get started by talking about Mother Country Radicals. What was it like to be interviewed for the podcast? Was it hard to revisit events from so far in the past? Well, let me just first say I was interviewed by my son. I have three sons. I never expected, uh, never exactly planned for, but delightful as it happened. About my oldest son, Zay Doran, interviewed me a summer or two ago. You know, I partly thought it was funny. I partly thought it was thrilling that he was interested in my history. And I had no idea where it was going. That's so, I found it to be really interesting that it was you speaking with your son. Did it ever become like awkward or uncomfortable? Or do you have a relationship where you can talk openly about your past in a way that feels uh, very natural and free? The second <laughs> it feels very natural and free, but I told him at the beginning, you know, that there was going to be several, you know, I can't talk about that. And I think he found that with other people he was interviewing, but there were certainly boundaries. Uh, and yet he's my son and I was interested that he was interested and I didn't know, I really didn't know how embarrassing can I be? What a podcast. <laughs> I'd heard podcasts when we were on the road, but I didn't really understand the role of it or it's, it's a aesthetic. So, you know, I think he found me and other weather underground people who he interviewed and black liberation army people willing to say that's, you know, no more. Can't talk about that. Bernadine, you've been portrayed in the media as a terrorist by conservatives and also as a groundbreaking radical activist. What do you think is different about this media portrayal in mother country radicals? Well, I think you get to hear a variety of women in particular uh, here who are quite open. And I, I, some of the women were interviewers, <laughs> made people comfortable about talking. Uh, and I, I was surprised myself at other of my sisters who uh, I see from time to time still, who were quite open uh, with the people doing the interview and in a way... Uh, eager to think through that history from long ago, from the 70s, really. Do you think this is a more fair or more accurate representation of who you are and what you did? Uh, well, it, you know, more fair than what? I'm, I'm pleased with it. I think it's a curious opening, and I think it's, um, you don't have to agree with it to listen to it and be curious about how people organized and what we thought we were doing and also what our mistakes were. They're pretty... It's pretty open about all that, too. I, you know, I wish we could have more um, of the insights that we've gotten from today's movements, who I think have taken it much farther than we did. And instead of polarizing every issue, although some issues need to be polarized, are more, uh, I don't know about intersection, inventing the word intersectional for, for me was an enormous breakthrough. You didn't have to pit between the U.S. killing people in Vietnam, you know, 6,000 people a week, year after year in Vietnam, and uh, 
what women's lives were like in the United States. So finding the ways in which issues are connected has been one of the brilliant things, I think, about your generation's movements. Um, So I was listening to the podcast yesterday and all of a sudden I was like halfway through episode five. I just like tore through the the podcast (laughs) and get, you know, the part at the, at the very beginning, your, your son kind of traces your biography and the, and, and kind of the through line of like rage that was happening among people who cared about their country during the time that you were radicalized. And, you know, I was thinking about that overused saying that history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. So is there a rhyme between the events that radicalized you and what's going on in this country right now? And and what events come to mind when you think of that? Well, I think about the slaughter of, of African-Americans that was, you know, propelled us, certainly propelled me living in Chicago and being there when Fred Hampton and the Black Panthers were murdered by the Chicago Police Department and the FBI. That that kind of thing is a wake-up and hard to evade. I knew Fred and, and the Panthers of that moment. So it, I think that is you can see that happening in big cities and small across the United States still. And I think waking up, you know, lots of people, but particularly white people who've managed to sleep the deep sleep of amnesia sometimes about U.S. history. So I'm I'm very hopeful about your generation. Can I call it your generation? <laughs> and kind of uh, the notion that we're all implicated, that you have to, um, it's, it's one of the great joys of life to throw yourself in and then realize all the mistakes you've made. <laughs> um, but to throw yourself into... Uh, you know, being on the side of freedom and happiness and love, <laughs> really, and not on the side of, you know, standing by and watching what's done in your name. Uh, we had this passion about what was being done in our name. Bernadine, how do you feel about the weather underground being compared to the insurrectionists who stormed the Capitol on January 6th? Revolted. <laughs> I'm revolted by the very idea. I mean, there's always been a fascist and neo-fascist Uh, movement in the United States, and there always will be. And it's wrapped up uh, in many things, you know, including hatred of women, I think. But it also is, you know, primarily white white power, white supremacy, uh, and the kind of frantic whole desperate way of holding on to an America that never was, and it certainly isn't going to be. But it's not the demographic transition that I imagined would be happening. But it it makes sense once you take a hard look. Who was there? Who stormed the Capitol in in Trump's name? What does that stand for? And I, I think it's very clear now. It's not clear where to go, but it is clear what just happened in the last decade. So talking about the last decade, how does your advocacy manifest today, if it still does. And if you go to protests, do people recognize you? Sometimes, you know, journalists and photographers do, but not not the people there. I've been going to the demonstrations, of course, since the overturning of Roe v. Wade. I'm thrilled that it's young women and their friends and family members and partners even who are showing up. So, you know, we have a lot to do. 
Do you do you carry a sign when you go to these to the um, Roe v. Wade protests? Yeah, I mean, I usually look at what signs are there. I don't always bring my own, but the issue of women's right to choose is so critical to you know our history. It was um, a very big issue when I was in the first women's group I was ever in in New York City in 1960. It was a fight then, and now we have to fight the fight again. The notion that we're, you know, either to be asexual people or non-sexual people, or, you know, to have to risk pregnancies that you don't choose is so horrible. And for so many people who can't just get on a plane and, you know, go to a doctor in another state. My state in Illinois has welcomed people from the adjoining states, but what that means and how to how to do it is not clear. Uh, so we have to get very busy and and overturn this horrible decision immediately. And it's not going to be just a decision, single decision by a single Supreme Court. We have to educate and and the people who are upset about it and who are victimized by it have to have their voices heard. Bernadine, it's the summer of 2022. What brings you hope? Your generation. (laughs) (laughs) And the fact that there's still, you know, feminist uh, activism, that you're on the air, that uh, you're thinking about these questions and, and making them relevant to all the other issues that they link with. I mean, we are, you know, you, we withdraw from one war of murder and slaughter and genocide and immediately are enmeshed in the next war. What is this the United States is doing in the world? What's being done in our name? I, so I, I think we have to think big uh, about ending war and violence and aggression and invasions and pretending that they're all, we're on the right side of history there. And I think, uh, you know, also we have to take a look at what the U.S. role is uh, economically around the world and, you know, the the incredible wealth that this country has and how few people are in control of it or have access to it. So internal and external, I think we have to, you know, link these issues. And I, I feel like one of the great breakthroughs was the notion of intersectionality. So how do these, you don't have to be in a corner here with your precious issue. You can actually think big, must think big, and must link it to other issues. Well, thank you so much, Bernadine. Um, Mother Country Radicals is available for streaming everywhere, and it is so good. Well, it is terrific. It is so good, and it's so good to hear from you, and it's so good to hear from other members of Weather Underground, and and it's it's really, really eye-opening and interesting. So thank you so much for joining us today, and um, come back again sometime and talk to us. I'd love to. Thanks so much. Thank you. you. Bye-bye. As long as you're all ready and rearing to go, we can get into the clap. Um, I'm going to have you guys. It's always funny. I know. It Uh, it really is. It's the best name for an STD. Um, Oh, for sure. It's the funniest possible name. Yeah, for sure. Why is Um, it called that? I don't know. Maybe just so we can talk about it.
in in real you life. You got chlamydia. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. Congratulations. <laughs> maybe maybe because it claps onto your genitals. I don't know. <laughs> maybe stretch. chlamydia starts with CLA. So yeah, maybe that's it was what I was clap. thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, oh, I, I have the, the answer. I have the answer. <laughs> oh, the, got it. In the 1500s, the the word the clap referred to a rabbit's nest due to the active sex lives of rabbits. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. if you had the disease wow. you had clappier boobo this was eventually shortened to the clap it's a sweet wow. little slut shame oh, that's yeah. in your sti them pull bunnies them what pull bunnies bunnies have tough lives they are yeah. i i had a, a co-worker once who described rabbits as nature's bags of doritos because they're so like <laughs> fatty they have no like they have no natural defenses and so a predator is like god i'm hungry i just need a snack oh bunny so like let them fuck let the bunnies Wait. fuck this is this is even better gonorrhea and chlamydia are both referred to as the clap except wait for it chlamydia is referred to as the clap after the french word clapier which means brothel (laughs) what getting smarter every episode that is so much more elegant oh my god i love that i'm learning i'm learning so much next time i get chlamydia i'm gonna say i have clapier uh-huh. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Totally. It sounds like it sounds like a fragrance, like a floral fragrance you might try on at a Bloomingdale. No, it's yeah. no, it like if, if you love if you love <laughs> Chanel number no. five, right. you'll love Clapier. Right. Exactly. <laughs> the bro designer imposter. Um well on that note, <laughs> let's let's do it. Um I'll give you a countdown. One, two, three. Alyssa, I just wanted to start with why I ended up on this topic today. And mm-hmm. then I have a question about why you acquiesced so quickly to it. Because All right. you were like, oh, yes, absolutely, yes. And I was like, I feel like there's something going on off camera that I do not see and do not know okay. about. Okay, so, you know, the January 6th hearings have been happening. You know, they've been dropped sporadically and the, they're varying lengths and different quality levels, like a season of a Netflix show that (laughs) Netflix is like, we can string you along forever. You're still going to watch. So they've been, they've been going on and, you know, in, in, on Tuesday, they had one of the people testifying was a person who had actually stormed the Capitol who had been radicalized on social media and listening to him talk. I was just thinking something a lot of people think about Trump's most ardent supporters, which is that they sound like members of a cult. Mm-hmm. Uh, his his um, rallies look like weird cult gatherings. Like there's something very culty about it. And then I was, you know, thinking about other cults and and their unique history in the U.S. And a lot of people who are actually doing things that are culty aren't actually wouldn't actually admit that they were doing something culty. You have like the overt cults that are like, this is so culty. And then you have the cults that are sort of like really big fans of obvious charlatans, you know? Okay. So I suggested, you know, that would you join a cult as the kickoff question for this episode? And you were like, yes, let's do that. Why did you... Why did you jump on Guys, it so quickly? I love cults. I mean, I don't love them. They're bad usually, but I've just really followed cults for a long time. I'm interested in cults. I like figuring out why people join cults. I think that I have some 
personality traits that would lend themselves to perhaps being drawn into a cult. So Interesting. I'm Interesting. just being open kimono here this week, guys. That's it. It's just <laughs> look at my open tender, kimono. potentially culty underbelly. All right. I have nothing oh. to hide. Okay. That was a visual for sure. Um, I'm going to bring in the other two participants in this conversation, which I know is going to be amazing. Uh, first, her podcast, That's Messed Up, an SVU podcast, will be at the Montreal Comedy Festival. Kara Clank, Montreal. That <sighs> is... You know, I'm excited. I've been a comedian for 14 years and I'm finally going to this damn festival after. (laughs) (laughs) So it better be, it better be good. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's like uh, Montreal Comedy Festival for people who do not follow comedy. It's like a big, it's a BFD. Yeah. I mean, I auditioned for it as a stand-up, I think six times. So it feels nice to finally not be going for stand-up at all. Um, (laughs) You're, I'm picturing you rolling in there. Like, remember when, you know, we would, we're the same age, when you would be sick and staying home from school and you watch all the trashy talk shows in the 90s? Yeah. You know, when it, when there'd always be like, you know, every once in a while an episode that's like, you rejected me in high school, but look at me now. Yeah. And like, <laughs> oh, they, that's they're a Sally always Jesse Raphael. <laughs> yeah. And they're wearing like a, a hot pink, like push up bra as a top. And like, they're, re- they're really beautiful, but they're also trying very hard. Like, that's, that's going to ha- be me. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Look at me now. Um, so excited to have you as part of this conversation. Um, up next, she's a writer and producer on season three of Solar Opposites, which is out this week on Hulu. Oh, hey, happy season three. Grace Cara, <laughs> Jenny. If you are listening to this right now, season three of Solar Opposites is out and available on Hulu right now. So I'm very excited about it, but even more excited to be open kimono with y'all today because <laughs> that's a vibe right there. <laughs> open kimono. You know what? That made me think about shared spaces and nudity and how, like, if you didn't grow up in a naked house, sometimes it's hard to like be, you know, as an adult, be in like a locker room or whatever. Yeah. And it just, I just remembered that like, you know, before pandemic and the before times, I used to love going to K-Town here in LA, they have incredible like women only spas and just walking around naked with like people of all ages. And like for the first five minutes, it's like, oh no, it's all, but then after five minutes, you're like, oh, these are just bodies. Open kimono. I mean, open robe, open kimono, open towel, open whatever. You know, what's interesting about us talking about nudity. One of the things I was going to bring up about the topic of cults is that nudity seems to be one of the things that draws people together into cults. A lot of people, I think, belong to cults because of the nudity element. Is that true? You think they're in it for the dong? Yeah! I think they're in it for the dong. There's so there's so much sexual, like, repressed sexual energy going on in cults. And I think nudity is a big part of it. The idea that you can be naked with a bunch of people seems to be a common thread among cults. Maybe that's just a my observation, but I feel like, like... a commune in the 70s. But what's, <laughs> see, what's the difference? And that's what we're going to get That's what I'm saying. Yes. You okay. know I run a great commune. So I would I would join your commune and I oh, would you. willingly follow it into cultdom. Kara, uh, yeah. I want to start with you with this this core question that is driving this segment today. Would you join a cult? Be honest. No. <laughs> you wouldn't. <laughs> no, I would never join a cult. I I 
I am like Alyssa obsessed with cults. I have, and I, and I count MLMs among them and I am deeply obsessed with MLMs. Um, and I love listening to it because I love, I don't know. I think that I would never, I just would never, I just can't, I don't know. I like to think that I could not like follow someone blindly or like just, I don't really have, I'm not even like a kind of person who's like a super fan. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like I see these kids, like <laughs> I see, granted I have a law and order SVU podcast, but like you don't <laughs> see me camping outside of Mershka Hargitay's apartment building. You know what I mean? Like when I see kids like going nuts over Harry Styles or like, you know, you read about Beatlemania and stuff. I've always been like, wow, that's just nothing about that resonates with me. Like I like things. I'm not saying I'm like a flat dead person. I'm a fan <laughs> of a lot of things. I just don't have that. Like I would give anything for this person. I would do anything. This person says it's just like not part of my DNA. Well, maybe you just know. haven't, you maybe I haven't met just, the right person. You haven't met the right person <laughs> yet. And it's like, it's coming down the pike. I remember watching Queer Eye for the first time and seeing Karamo and hearing him talk. And I was like, that guy could run a cult. <laughs> that guy could easily run a cult. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, I, I completely agree with you on that. Um, <laughs> Grace, do you think you would join a cult? I feel like I've been part of a few already. I mean, I grew up Catholic. And mm. I, I this is think, what I'm talking about. Yeah, yep, I think I think we got to get into you know major religions, ma- major monotheistic religions that we don't view them as cults, we don't see them as that. But I definitely think. I mean, I was saying, I was doing all the rituals, I was saying all the prayers, and I was doing it blindly. I wasn't thinking about it as I was doing it because it was so second nature and it was ingrained in me from a young age. So it felt like it was kind of a non-consensual community that I was a part of. That's what made it feel culty to me. I also have been big, like huge hugely into fandoms. I was a huge Hanson fan growing up. Don't know if you guys remember Mbop, but I oh, yeah. not only I like I, I ran out every inkjet printer that we ever had printing pictures of Hanson that would wow. come up on like AOL.com. I saw them in concert a million times. I would buy the like Japanese imports of the same CDs that came out in America. I would buy like from every country that I could possibly get a hold. I was real into it. Which brother, so which like- brother gave you the biggest boner? Which one did you Taylor. <laughs> Always Taylor. Taylor. Which gave one me is that? Big- middle one? That's middle one. That's yeah. middle, middle one. That's the one that everybody, yeah. that's the vanilla ice cream of of <laughs> and I'm not denigrating Taylor. I'm saying vanilla ice cream is objectively delicious. It's sure. just not like one. Of, it's just not one of those like everybody likes vanilla ice cream. You know what I mean? Totally. <laughs> Mass appeal. I have quirkier taste for the other boy bands. Like I was a Howie D fan in Backstreet Boys. Ooh. I know. I know. I know. Very interesting. Um, <sighs> I just saw Backstreet Boys in concert two weeks oh ago. Oh, my God. Me too. And? At the Hollywood Bowl. Yes, I was there. It oh, was fun. Dude. Oh, it and you so wouldn't fun. join a cult, Kara? <laughs> and you, you're seeing Backstreet Boys. I was invited. I was invited. <laughs> I the ticket was paid for, and it was a box. I would go see someone read Ooh. the phone book at the Hollywood Bowl in a box. So that's, that's I would go. So, but they put on a good show. Huh? Backstreet is back. They All are right. back. Backstreet is. Backstreet's very bad. It was an amazing concert. Everyone asked if it was going to be sad. And I was like, no, they can dance. They're still doing it. Like, they're good. Kara, the question is, did you throw your hand in the air and be like, oh, 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 oh. (laughs) That's new kids on the block. That's new kids on the block, (laughs) which 
shit, you Which, guys. Alyssa, that was my first concert. <laughs> that was my first concert. <laughs> and from what I've heard, the New Kids on the Block concerts now are a little bit more sad. But sure. I probably would sure. hang tough for sure. I would probably definitely <laughs> hang tough. Oh my gosh. Uh, doing Hanging Tough at a Backstreet Boys concert would be a bold move. Yeah, Which, that's a vibe. That's a vibe for sure. I like um, that. So like fandom and cultdom seem like there's some overlap. Um, mm-hmm. Alyssa, do you feel like you would join? Like if you think of the type of cult that you would join, pick, picture its leader. What would the leader be like? Would it be like Ina Garten? Yes. <laughs> or like I would be the leader. Like maybe I wouldn't join it. Maybe I would start one. But yes. here's why I felt like I would be disingenuous if I said that I wouldn't join a cult because I think that maybe not when I first started out, but now I think a lot of political campaigns are fucking cults. Like, Mm, yes, I think that that is like you see it and you're just like, what are those people doing? And like, I know that in especially in 2007, I mean, it was like fucking team Hillary or team Obama. There was no intersection. You were ride or die. You believed like It was just, I mean, I'm not saying that Barack Obama was a cult leader, if he's listening to the show, sir, you know, (laughs) but like, but I do think that especially now, like if you look at even actually 2020, there were some like cult like qualities to some of the people who ran, right? I mean- the Yang Gang. I mean, like they have mm-hmm. names, right? Yeah. Like the, the Bernie Bros. Not all people who supported Bernie, but the Bernie Bros. I just think that there's. I just think that there are political. I think that there's a lot of overlap there. Um, mm-hmm. But my cult would be like. I don't want to say wellness, but I think that my cult would be more like commune, like where mm-hmm. we all lived together and supported each other. Not like sister wives, kind of a cult sister wives, but mm-hmm. not like that. Like you all live together and everyone has their specialty and they contribute to the greater good. And you guys all make jam and you sell it to support yourselves. No, see, mm. I make the jam and I <laughs> sell it does that. and I sell it because I am, as I have taken from Aaron, I am the fruit butcher. And so I would do that, <laughs> but someone else would have to be really good at like keeping the trees alive. Someone else would have to know how to fix cars. You know what I'm saying? Just like right, this right. self-sustaining society. Sure. I would be a part of that. Hmm. So there could be somebody who was in your cult that was like in charge of cultivating the trees that produce the fruit that make yes! the jam. Right. Yes, okay. making I, sure I all like of our pollinators are fl- like firing on all cylinders. <laughs> but could you freely leave at any point? Because that I think is another distinguishing quality. Yes, and would there be financial or personal loss involved for people? Because that's another mm-hmm. big thing that I think differentiates a cult. Mm-hmm. No, I think everyone in my dream cult, I think every commune, I think mm-hmm. everybody would have, it would be all viewed as equal participation. And I think that if you wanted to leave, you would leave, but you could take what you had, but you would lose, you know, the equity that you had and everything else. Sure. Yeah, that's, that's the thing though. Like anytime I'm gonna you I'm going to get leave, killed for this. <laughs> that's, that's, or you're going to wake up on Friday morning with, hordes of followers being like, where's this commune? I want to move. I want to move. Like, <laughs> and then, and then within a year, you guys are declaring yourselves the independent state of Alyssa Potamia or whatever. <laughs> Listen, I'm telling you. And, and, and you're declaring yourself sovereign from the American government. And it's just, 
it's going to be a Bundy Ranch type situation. Um, <laughs> but like the the thing about cults is I, I just think that like right now, a lot of Americans are just very, very lonely. Uh, there's been just a real erosion of religious life. And I'm not I'm not saying mm-hmm. that that's a bad thing because I think a lot of religion is is bad. Uh, I'm saying this as a former Catholic. What is what is religion but a cult that got old, you know, a cult that, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. that made right. it. It's like um, it's like the big leagues. It's cult big leagues, you know, cult mm-hmm. minor leagues. And anyway, um, I don't think that religion is something that is necessarily in the state that it is in America is something that we should be like, oh, no, people aren't religious anymore. But there is a loss. You know, when you stop going to church, you just don't have this automatic community of people who has to hang out with you. Like mm-hmm. you have self-made groups of friends where like there is no obligation for them to continue hanging out with you. So like mm-hmm. the people that are, I think the people that have difficulty finding connection, making connection socially or live in a place where there aren't very many, there just aren't venues for them to connect with people in public. Uh, I feel like they might find something culty really appealing because it's like, well, they can't reject me. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a place where you're guaranteed to be welcomed in and loved and praised. And then, you know, they suck you dry. But also you're like, yeah, but I've got people to hang out with. There's also routine, too. And sometimes the more structure that is implemented in our lives, the, the happier we are, whether or not we acknowledge that we like structure. But knowing that every Sunday, 9 a.m., you've got a place to be and a thing to do. The same thing that you replicate week after week is comforting for a lot of people. Yeah. I also think the big, the big draw across the board with a lot of a lot of these groups that are sort of on the teetering edge of is this religion or is this a cult is the promise of making you better. Like whether it's because you're participating in a group that is, you know, trying to create a sustainable lifestyle, or if it's because you're establishing yourself for, you know, the next life, like post post existence, the heaven hell kind of kind of thing, uh, preparing you to be a better person is a real draw that like, I don't know what else does like listening to Hanson isn't going to get me that. I mean, you know, it's, there's an element of the cultishness that is kind of appealing. If, if somebody tells you, you join my group and you're going to be a better, hotter, smarter person, like, yeah, that's appealing. That's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's comforting to wake up first thing in the morning, text your master, ask them how many calories you're allowed to eat, and then just go and have your breakfast. <laughs> that's, you know what I mean, that's some oh, Nexium. Yeah. good Nexium ref. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kara, I would love to hear about your favorite cults on that note. Like the ones that you find the most, um, I don't, when I say favorite, I don't mean like, yay, we love this cult. The the cult that you are the most fascinated by and, uh, and why you're so fascinated by it. Well, I would say Nexium to as a such a perfect segue. I, I was very real. Like I remember reading about Nexium years ago, and then when the documentary came out on HBO, I obviously ate that up. And then I got a thirty day trial to Stars so that I could watch that one, which I will say is better. Okay, um, the Stars one yep, is yep. better because they talk to India. They actually get the girl India, oh. and uh, so that one it's worth it. Just get you can get it as an Amazon um, add on, I think, just for like thirty <laughs> days. And also they did a law and order SVU based on it. So I've researched it and, you know, it's, so I know a lot about the Nexium cult, but I'm also, you know, I'm also like, I listen to the dream podcast. I'm very into MLMs. I'm very into like all of the, like, just, yeah, these culty things. I wouldn't say I've 
done a ton of research on like the old, you know, seventies cults and stuff like that. But I've read a lot about the Manson family and, uh, yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, I go, but I'm like very drawn into the Nexium story, especially just because it seems like it, there's nobody normal, but it just seems like it's a bunch of like everyday people, high achieving people that just got fully sucked into this thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the vagina branding. The vagina yeah. branding was, was crazy. crazy. But see, like, okay, see, that's like a very good example of... I watched all of those. Plus, I think there was a Lifetime movie that was also about the Nexium cult. Watch that one, too. That's <laughs> like, I watched that and I'm like, I don't like to judge people or ever call people stupid. But I was like, what of all the warning signs were you people missing? So, like, when I say I want a cult, I want, like, a happy cult where people all feel good and are productive. Not yeah. where, like, it's ultimately a Ponzi scheme of sorts mm-hmm. and, and sexual predatorship. That's yeah. the Nexium cult in a nutshell. I'm also yeah. obsessed with Scientology, which I know you might consider a religion, but I consider to be more no, of a that's cult. A cult. And I'm honestly, that feels like a cult. But I'm also so deeply terrified of them. Like, I can't believe I'm even talking about it on a podcast right now. I really think they're going to, like, retaliate. On the Scientology front, because I'm also obsessed with it, too, I lived a mere few blocks away from the Big Blue Scientology Center no. in Hollywood for years. Not once was I approached by anybody in Scientology. Wow. I expect, I don't know what it is about me that doesn't make me <laughs> seem like I could be in a cult, but like I really anticipated at some point in the six years that I was living there that somebody would come and try to recruit me. Like, you seem like you're probably walking down the sidewalk like fast and like yeah, you've got a place yeah. to go. Like that's yeah. what I would imagine about you, Grace. Sunglasses on, head straight because ahead. I sure. have friends that have just been there standing on the sidewalk looking at the center and people have approached them because they're just stopped and they look like maybe they're searching for something. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The mm-hmm. clip at which I walk is too spicy. Yes. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're probably maybe on your phone, maybe talking, maybe listening to a pod. I don't know. You're you're sure. like a girl. You're like a girl on the go. They're like, this girl doesn't <laughs> have time for this. <laughs> this girl doesn't have time for this. I think that's fair. Kara, uh, have you watched or looked into the teal swan stuff at all? So I have been recently, everyone has been recommending it to me lately. I just like Wikipedia her in advance of this conversation just because I wanted to get a little background, although there's really nothing on the Wikipedia and it doesn't call her a cult leader. It calls, it talks about the allegations of her being a cult leader. So mm-hmm. Wikipedia playing it diplomatic, but um, I am dying to watch it. I am just very buried with two kids and can never, I'm behind on every show that I watch, but I would love to get into the deep end and and check that out. So here's a funny story about Teal Swan. So my uh, friend, former coworker is a guy named Jennings Brown, who wrote um, some of the, he did some of the first like deep dive stuff into her. And um, it was like a few years ago and I was back visiting friends in New York and I saw him and he was like, he had just come back from Costa Rica. She has like this, she's like a lifestyle maven who gives people advice. Um, but then sometimes the advice is like, maybe kill yourself. And it's like, whoa. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but she, uh, he was, he had just gotten back from like her compound in Costa Rica. And he was like haunted. Like apparently she's like extremely magnetic, charismatic, um, somebody that just draws people to her. And she's sort of like, you know, there hasn't been like a, you know, Heaven's Gate situation or a Manson family situation or even like a Children of God like situation. As you can tell, I'm like into the 60s and 70s cults. 
Um, but she definitely has like the level of ardor of people who follow her is really intense. Anyway, my friend who was like writing about her and then that the podcast, The Gateway, which is also about her, um, he was behind that. He was like haunted by his encounter with her. So like, wow, she's a, yeah. So I would say if you're fascinated by cults, yeah. definitely look into her. No, I'm dying to, I'm dying to check that one out. It looks yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, so here's something that I've found you know, when we talk about cults and we touched on this, when we talked about the Nexium thing. There's like oftentimes like a, a, a wholly mediocre dude at the top who gets to sleep with everybody. Mm-hmm. Why, why do you think that is like, why do people f- like get it? Like uh, grace, why do you think that happens? I mean, part of it I think is, is like these fucking men have a confidence that they can just suck people in and then people do it. I, and I don't understand that level of confidence, uh, but I, I do think that there is so much, to me, I'm so intrigued by charismatic leadership, whether it's politicians or whether it's cult leaders, people can really skate on charisma. And I think some of these dudes, most of them, genuinely feel like they are the second coming of Christ. They really do. They really feel- do. They really feel it to them. They are living their truth. They are being as honest as they can when they say, I am a Messiah. You should follow me. It's not, I, I, I like, it's a, it's a sickness for sure. It's like a mental, it's a mental illness to like, believe that you are a Messiah, but they truly believe it. So that I, I don't, I, and I can't understand it, but I, I do also think that I wonder like in their childhoods, if they've grown up with that kind of support like maybe people maybe i don't know parents like agreeing like oh you're the best that there is um i don't know what the psychology is behind the childhoods of these gentlemen but i do think it's very different because growing up as a woman in society you're kind of you're just always told like you know you're aware of all of your of all of your flaws and all the ways in which you're not great from a very young age and that sinks in in a way that that allows us to be more humble i think than a lot of sort of mediocre guys um I know that's like kind of a, a, a lot out there. I'm yeah. curious about what you guys think, but I, I mean, I really think that it's just a charismatic um, thing that men have. Well, mm. and they recruit people who are almost always like kind of down on their luck mm. or feeling bad. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like it is the it is the recruitment tool of the clan. Yeah, I watched this documentary on how the clan recruits people and why they recruit so many people in lower income areas. And also they target people who have just returned from military service abroad because they have had this community, right? They have had this brothership, this community, this group of people who've taken care of them. And then they come back and they feel alone. And that's Mm -hmm. like their number one prime target. And they also haven't made a lot of money and the clan comes and they're like, we're going to help put food on your table. We're going to help do this. And then they, you know, slowly turn the tide. But I think that that's like the targeting of these cult leaders. And like, they're like, I'm going to help you. Grace, it's exactly what you said. Like, I'm going to help you become a better version of you. Yeah. Yeah. By first Mm -hmm. having sex with me. Like (laughs) that's their, that's their like glide path. Yeah. You know, something that I want to talk about one of the, cults that I've become fascinated by. And that's like FLDS, mm-hmm. the fundamentalist uh, offshoot. Did you watch Under the Banner of Heaven? No. I read the book. Oh, I haven't seen it fully yet, but it's awesome. Yeah. So I 
I know about the crime at the center of it. And it is like too horrifying for me to even like engage with right now. So I like, yeah. w- I want to, but I've been watching Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey. I watch that too. I watch that too. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's something funny that I, 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 have, I have an anecdote. Um, so after Josh and I got married, we wanted to do like a honeymoon, but it was like October, 2020 when we got married and, uh, you know, outdoor only ceremony, whatever, like micro wedding. And we were like, we still want to do some sort of honeymoon. So let's go somewhere remote where we don't have to have any contact with anybody else. And we went to, uh, we were like Utah. We love Utah. We love Southern Utah. We like outdoor stuff. Cool. Found an A-frame on Instagram that was like, you can book this. It's real. It's like not far from Zion. Cool. Book this A-frame. We go there. Hilldale, Utah. Hilldale, Utah is the name of the town where we were. And uh, the town had some vibes that were just a little bit like, <laughs> huh, this is weird. You know, we're like these little babies kind of gallivanting into, you know, coming into our little A-frame, contact-free, check-in, whatever. And that night we were like, oh, we need to get some wine, but they're not, they don't sell wine in in this town. So it, cause it's Utah. And so we got to drive to Colorado city, Arizona. You guys, if, if you've watched keep sweet, pray and obey, all of these names should be very this familiar. Is, to you. Oh yeah. Oh, Colorado yeah. cities where they had to evac to, right? Yeah. yeah. So from Hilldale, right? right. Uh, so we drive to Colorado city and we go to this grocery store. The grocery store is filled with terrifying prairie people. That's, oh the, oh, that's the best way that I could describe. It's like people with the, the sister wife hair, like the long dresses, spooky, kind of. Spooky. Yeah. Oh, yeah, extremely yeah, yeah. spooky. We were wearing masks cause it was, you know, nobody else was wearing masks. Um, and we were like, okay, this is like not good vibes. And everybody was just giving us these spooky prairie stares. Anyway, we got back and didn't realize that we were like in the middle of FLDS country. And then when I started watching Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey, I was like, hmm, Jeff's compound. Where was the war in Jeff's compound? It was less than a mile from where we honeymooned. So, oh my God. what? Oh my God. Yeah. I think, I I think they're like, yeah. look at this loser with only one wife. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Southern Utah, home of the FLDS. But, you know, the thing that that is really striking to me is you see people that are like ex FLDS in a lot of the interviews, and they just look like just regular, like white ladies. And it's sort uh-huh. of like, how does somebody fall so hard into something that is so isolating and harmful. You know, it, it seems like, I, I don't know, Alyssa, is there something like uniquely American about the way that we're talking about like these particular cults? I think probably because we've sensationalized them and made like scripted shows about them, you know, yeah. like that it's, it feels, um, I don't know. I think we've turned kind of cults into entertainment. I, I will say a, an interesting phenomenon I've noted on the like, is this uniquely American front? Uh, I have received in the last few months uh, mysterious handwritten letters in Spanish. Same. From people who are part of Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, we get those. Yes. We've been getting those since we moved into our house. Oh, really? really? I thought you were just, I was like, oh, are you just joking? No. Oh, no, no. we get them. And I know where the, the address is right over the hill from me. It's somebody that's just writing to me in Spanish, hoping that I, and trying to handwritten, yeah. Yeah, convert me. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. You're yeah. getting the same thing. What? Mm-hmm. Unrelated. Is this uniquely American because like we just don't take care of our citizenry as well as other countries do. And so other people don't find a need for like 
okay, I got nothing else that I can figure out is going to make me better. I'm up Shit's Creek. I got no health care. I don't know. I just, I wonder if, like, are there as many cults in Europe? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, that's a really great question. But in Europe yeah. also, like, I don't know, I've lived in Italy and there's also like a lot more vacation and there's a lot more like enjoying, like it's not grind, grind, grind like it is right. in the yes. US all the time. Yes. And like the capitalist yes. dream right. of producing yes. and yes. succeeding. And here's the other thing I was thinking of when when this when this topic came up, I was like, have you guys ever heard the theory about why people are so obsessed with The Walking Dead? No. That the people no. are so obsessed with that show in a way because it does present almost this like utopia where like, all your credit card bills are gone. All your responsibilities are gone. All you have to fucking do is not get eaten by zombies. And you just get to fucking sharpen weapons and kill zombies. And that's why, like, a lot of people are very obsessed with that show. And I feel like it's a similar vibe to why you would join a cult. Like, yes. like you said, the schedule is set. I don't have to think about stuff. I'm just, I think I'm yeah. making the world a better place, I guess. I think I'm making myself better. And I'm not doing the, like whether you consider your life to be filled with pressures or you consider your life to be filled with monotony, either way, like this, like this cult can kind of let a lot of that fall away for you because it's just this yeah. insular like institution. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I find that really interesting too, but I agree. Like, I don't think that these cults uh, like thrive. I mean, look at the, the wild, wild country guy. He came here for his cult, right. you know? Right. Yeah, like, that's right. So like, I know I hear you on that white hot take. I'm rewatching The Handmaid's Tale right now. You know, I got to say the handmaids don't have to worry about mortgages. I'm not saying that. <laughs> Sounds like somebody just bought a house. <laughs> um, because that is deep how home buying psychosis talk for sure. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Take away my rights and also take away my mortgage. That's fine. That's fine. Um, I really do. I really do agree with that. I think there's like a streamlining of your life that yes. a cult can offer to you a simplification because not only is it about the rise and grind, but it's about, you know, it, it, it we are so overstimulated right now mm -hmm. to have things taken away, taken off of your plate. However, that manifests itself with these cults, there is something that is appealing about it. And it might not even be a conscious decision that people are drawn to because right. they're seeing a, a streamlining of their, of, of their lives. But I do think that on some sort of subconscious level, the it's very appealing to have somebody tell you what you're going to do every day to have the, maybe the internet taken away from you. Like that's a thing <laughs> in a lot of these cults, you, which like a forced, forced break from the internet kind of sounds awesome. I get yeah. it. I do yeah. get it. Except how would you figure out why we call it the clap if there was no internet? If there was no <laughs> yeah. internet. That's a really good point. Um, and yep. so we have to, we have to take a break pretty soon, but I want to wrap up this conversation by paraphrasing Spider-Man. Maybe the appeal of cults is with no power comes no responsibility. Right? Okay. Wow. Let's yes. Yes. Put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> no power comes no responsibility. That sounds, yeah, actually, yes. All right. Um, let's take a quick break. When we come back, Sanity Corner. And 
welcome back. We've gotten to the part of the show where we are going to talk about what is keeping us sane during these insane times. First, a little bit of housekeeping. This week on Keep It, Ira and Lewis share their reactions to this year's Emmy nominees, which we touched on a little bit at the beginning, but oof, love hearing from those guys about all things entertainment. Plus, they'll be joined by actress Isabelle Huppert and discuss the celebs who keep revealing themselves as transphobic. You can listen to new episodes of Keep It every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, what else, Alyssa? What else? What other house? Erin, uh, Crooked has some great live shows coming up. Pod Save America has shows in Seattle, Portland, Nashville, and Atlanta. And Love It or Leave It will be in Chicago this Friday, July 15th, with guests Allie Barthwell, Ashley Ray, and the Chicago Gay Men's Chorus. I wish I would have known that existed when I lived in Chicago. I did not know totally. that they had a Chicago Gay Men's Chorus, and it sounds fun as hell. You can get tickets to these shows and more at crooked.com slash events. Okay, house has been kept. Let's talk Sanity Corner. Alyssa, what's keeping you sane this week? You guys, I'm so looking forward to it. But this Friday, I'm going to get my hair done. So ever since COVID, I decided that I was paying much too much attention to my hair. And that's why I let it go gray. We've all seen the journey. But I'm I'm going colorful this, this week. And I'm so what? excited. I have been like Googling. So you can see... Oh you actually can't see because it already washed out. But a couple, like a month and a half ago, I had them do some pink. I did some pink <gasps> hair underneath. And I was a little bit of a pussy about it. And I was like, just do it underneath where it's just like a joke for me to see. And this week, I just, I don't know. I'm like, I'm not going to do rainbow or anything. But I need something to just give me a little spring in my step that's like temporary, non-permanent. You're going to get the Deloro. The representative yes. was a Deloro. Maybe like some purple bangs or I don't, Oof. but it's really, I just need something that when I look in the mirror in the morning, I'm like, bitch, that's good. <laughs> 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 so that's, and the best is because I've planned my hair appointment six weeks ago. I've just been thinking about it every day. I'm like, oh, blue be so or fun. I love pink, it. I can't wait. It purple. Fabulous. Don't worry. I'll, I'll post a picture, obviously. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. Uh, Grace, what's keeping you sane this week? All right. A couple, couple quick things, uh, quick hits for you. Number one, um, <laughs> it is peach season and I love a peach and I just want to tell, I know it's small. I know it seems lame as but I just love a peach and it really in every regard, whether it's a morning peach, that first juicy, juicy little just a little nugget that you eat when you first wake up, or if you stick it in an arugula salad, maybe with some feta, ooh, maybe some prosciutto. Oh, I love a little salty and peach combo. This is just your friendly spicy pepper reminder to go buy <laughs> some peaches and eat them up. The other thing I'll say that I've been doing that has been keeping me sane, I have been giving my nails a, a manicure detox. I am generally a lady who goes, gets her gels every six weeks or no, every three weeks. Who am I kidding? Um, and I was noticing a couple months ago that my nails became brittle. And I don't know if anybody has some sort of a solution to fix that. By all means, let me know. Have you tried shellac? I, I is that the same as gel? No, it's it it's lasts not? for two full weeks. It lasts for oh. two full weeks, but it, it 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 comes off your nails feel totally normal. OK, what I need to it? try that. It's called shellac. I really oh, yeah. need to try that. I've seen it. I have 
not done that. All I know is that taking a little bit of a, of a detox break has been really, really good. And I'll paint my nails like on my own and they look like shit and they last for 2.5 days and whatever, that's fine. But it's actually been good. So if anybody out there also needs to do a little summer detox, I know it's, you know, we like to get our little phalanges out there in the summertime, but uh, <laughs> it's, little it's, phalanges. It's, you know how I discovered shellac? Because during berry season, my natural nails just turned purple tie-dye and I couldn't get it off. And I was like, maybe I should try this. And then I started doing the shellac. And it's Beautiful. like, oh it doesn't chip. And if your nails get too long while you still have your shellac, you can trim them and it's no problem. Uh, I love uh, that. Okay, I'm, I'm on that train. Don't worry. I'm sure Instagram will serve you an ad right after this call. <laughs> We've uh, we've just established Grace's rapping name, Lil Phalange. Lil Phalange, <laughs> spicy yes, Phalange, spicy Phalange. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is somehow disgusting. Pervy. Um, how did that? How does that work? Um, so I guess I'll go next. Um, my sanity corner is: um, Have you guys ever, you know, it's a hot day in the middle of summer, and you're like, I really want to go swimming, but I don't. I don't want to like sw- swimming pools that are public pools. Just, there's a lot of screaming. You know, there's a lot. There's <laughs> It's v- very loud. Um, I found something last summer called Swimply, which is where you can find swimming pools in your area that the owners of the pools are. It's like Airbnb for swimming pools. Whoa. So you can like rent out a pool for like a few hours at a time. And some of them, they have different policies. Some of them are like, we don't allow babies. Some of them are like, we don't allow pets. Some of them are like, no parties, max 50. But like, you can have like, go in on a swimply pool with like another couple or two couples. And you can have like access to a private That's pool. That's amazing. For, like, Three, four wow. hours. Oh, and yeah, baby. I'm on that Swimply train. I have oh, been the last two summers. It's amazing. It's so, so nice. Uh, where do you pee? Usually the people have a bathroom that is like accessible from the outside. We did oh. get a Swimply one time where there was no bathroom and there were a <laughs> bunch of kids. And I go, you know, our kids are peeing in your pool, right? I don't know what to tell you. Like my daughter was like still like in a diaper at that point. So I was like, whatever. But like these older kids that were with us, I was like, they're peeing in this pool. You guys, you got to have a bathroom. Like, you got to do something. Yeah. you got to have a Are the owners of the house like on the premises at all? Or are sometimes they, like- they are and sometimes they're not. And yeah, they, but like you don't really interact. Like it's usually like you have access to like a bathroom and wow. a, a pool deck. And a pool deck. And it's it's really nice. And that it's a little is bit, genius. Yeah. It's yeah. a little it's a little fancy, but like we've found that, you know, if we split it between another couple or two, it's like kind of a nice way to spend an afternoon. It's like a nice treat. Um last mm-hmm. last summer, early fall, when I was like mega pregnant, renting a pool was just like, oh, all I want to do is not have gravity apply to me. And it was so nice yeah. to just like be in the water and bob like a like a big apple in my bathing suit. <laughs> um, so yeah, Swimply is is really fun. It's like a nice treat and it's like fun to get to get in the water when uh, when you're not somebody with a pool in their backyard or and you mm-hmm. don't have people who are friends who have pools and want to invite you over all the time. So um, definitely recommend that as a sanity corner as things get really, really hot. Kara, what is your sanity corner? What is my sanity corner? I don't know, guys. Nothing's keeping me sane. I'm I'm going crazy. You know what's keeping me sane right now, I would say, is I'm really focusing on a 
on a trip that I'm taking in in August, <gasps> like a two week yes. trip to the East Coast. And I'm actually taking so so speaking of cults, the one thing that's culty about me is my, my obsession with my summer camp. I talk I got married at my summer camp. I talk about it all the oh time. I'm like, I've started a savings okay, account so for my daughter to go to so summer camp. You are in a cult. In a cult. Okay. Cool. You are in a cult. Cool, Karen. Oh, my okay. cult, nice. my cult <laughs> does not like keep any information about you and tell you and keep you from leaving by telling you. I mean, have you ever tried <laughs> to leave? Do you know that? <laughs> I mean, you're right. Never tried to leave. This is like a, a Liz Cheney level. Oh, by the way, yeah. at the end of. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> So I do love my summer camp so much and they run a family camp in August. And like, so after the girls go home from the camp, you can come to camp with your family for a week. And I'm actually like, I actually work there. I like run the programming. So I'm taking my kids there for the first time. And it's been like keeping me sane to like, I just bought my daughter a sleeping bag. And like, I'm like, just like kind of fantasizing. I know it's probably going to be the most psychotic week of my life because it's going to be like me in a cabin with my two kids and like life is very different for them in that setting. But I think it's also going to be an amazing experience. And so I just, I think that's what's keeping me sane is like working towards that trip. Oh, that's um, so fun. I love that. But yeah. if they if they whip out matching pajamas and like black Nikes, you gotta promise that you're yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah, you're yeah, gonna yeah, book yeah. out of there. <laughs> yeah, you, you gotta get out of there. Um, that sounds super fun. I love summer camp too, even though I like grew up in the woods. Something about staying in a different woods yeah, was yeah, very, yeah. <laughs> very appealing to me. Um, well, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Hysteria. Thank you, Kara and Grace, for stopping by to talk cults with us. Thanks to Bernadine Dorn for talking about weather underground and mother country radicals. Alyssa, thank you as always for being my ride or die. Um, what do we, what else do we have for the people? Oh, if, if you're living in a state where there is unique state level fuckery going on, uh, please email us hysteria at crooked.com. We're going to be talking about state related fuckery as it comes up because, you know, now it's an era where we all have to care about what each individual state is doing. Hysteria at crooked.com. Um, anything else? No, that's it. Just anything else. Nothing else. Okay, cool. Well, uh, there will be more hysteria for you all next week. I am from another planet. This nation is our Janet. But these girls got a fan it. Y2K email and scan it. Don't take no for an answer. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer. And Fiona Pastana is our associate producer. Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis are the sound engineers. And our editor is Sarah Gibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. Thank you to our digital team, Nar Melkonian, Mia Kelman, Milo Kim, and Matt DeGroote. <laughs>